Um, we're going to be st- uh, just continuing our series on Stop the Cap, or as I used to say back in the day, uh, Cut the Crap. Am I allowed to say that? Sorry. Um, anyway, uh, this has been a tough little message for me to prepare for. I'm not going to lie. Um, I've been in youth ministry a long time. Believe it or not, this is year number 40. Some of you weren't even born then, but... And this is probably the toughest I've ever had as far as just putting a message together. And I think because it got really personal for me. Um, Tonight we're going to talk about the lie that God could never love me. I'm going to say some things that are probably a little bit personal. Maybe it'll hit home with you. Maybe you have no idea what I'm even talking about. But um, I think sometimes that we identify our love for God with how we grew up, how our families were. And I don't know what kind of family you're in right now. Um, I know that my parents loved me very much, but I didn't hear it a lot, especially from my dad, and I didn't hear that he was proud of me, ever. And so I think sometimes we take that and we apply it to God somehow, that if our parents couldn't you know, say that they love us, and if our love from them is based on our performance, that sometimes we associate that with God. Well, tonight I'm hoping to debunk that falsehood because it is a lie. It is a lie from Satan. Um, So stick with me. There's some things that are going to make sense toward the end of this that are going to be a little bit um, tedious to get through. If any of you are distracted right now by anybody, just get up and move. If you've got a cell phone that's making you distracted, give it to your small group leader or put it under your leg or something like that so it doesn't bother you. I don't know what your experience has been like as far as as, uh, the subject of could God ever love me, but it seems like whether it's from a family background where perhaps you felt like you had to earn the love, or whether it's from the voices around you telling you that maybe you aren't enough, Uh, maybe it's the voice of your own doubts and fears, maybe it's the voice of Satan himself because unfortunately he is the one who not only lies but he hates people, he hates God. So stick with me to the end. I want to talk about um, a couple of kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness and there's the kingdom of light. Some of you have this in your mind that there's also a third kingdom, the kingdom of you, uh, the kingdom of the undecided, the kingdom of the neutral, the kingdom of gray. There's no such kingdom. You're either in the kingdom of darkness or you're in the kingdom of light. There is no third choice. If you don't make a decision, you're in the kingdom of darkness. I know that sounds kind of black and white, and it's exactly what it is. Jesus said that himself. He said, if you're not a a child of God, you're a child of the enemy, of the devil. So we're going to talk about that for a little bit. I want to talk about the kingdom of darkness, first of all. The kingdom of darkness has a prince called the Prince of Darkness. His name is Satan. He was formerly Lucifer. He was considered an angel of light. He lived in heaven since his creation. He was there for God only knows how long. Until one day sin was found in him and he was cast out of heaven by Michael and the the archangel and about two-thirds of the angels. Throughout Satan and one-third of the angels. In Isaiah 14, it says, You said in your heart, this is speaking of Lucifer, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. That's the boast of Lucifer. Shortly thereafter, he was thrown out of heaven. Satan has been around for thousands of years. He knows the scriptures well. He knows your human nature well. He knows you well. 
He uses the same tricks over and over. He tells lies that are so convincing that unless you know the truth, you'll believe it. He usually doesn't tell a lot of bold-faced lies. He usually tells half lies. He tells stuff that's always got a bait with it. When he talked to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he didn't say, hey, why don't you eat this fruit so that you all can die? He said to them, did God really say to you? And he said, God's holding out on you. Look at this fruit. It's beautiful. It's good to eat. And it'll make you wise like God. You'll become just like him. See, every lie that he has always has a hook. The name Satan itself means accuser. He's called the father of lies. He's called a deceiver. He's the serpent, the dragon of old. The kingdom of darkness has a goal. According to John 10, verse 10, the goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. Some of you have been through that, haven't you? What has he stolen from you? What has he killed in you? Has he killed your innocence? Has he destroyed your family? Have you had enough yet of him stealing and killing and destroying? Satan hates God and he hates those who bear the image of God and you bear the image of God. The Bible says that you were created in the image of God. And yet on the other side, there's the kingdom of light. Jesus is the king of this kingdom. He has no beginning, he has no end. He's the God who became a man. His name means God is our salvation and God is with us. He's known as the good shepherd, the great I am, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the way, the truth, and the life. He also has a goal, just as the enemy does. He has a goal. He says, I have come to give life and give it to the full. Also in the same verse, John 10, verse 10, he's come to give life. He's come to save the people of the world who otherwise would be eternally separated from God. So I've got a little observation tonight. My observation is this. It would seem that the kingdom of darkness is shouting a whole lot louder than the kingdom of light sometimes, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel like you're surrounded by the lies constantly? Whether it's social media, whether it's your friends, whether it's your own voices in your head talking to you, always telling you the lies that you're not enough, that God could never love you. Do you ever get tired of it? I know I do. You look in the news, sometimes you just got to shut the news off because there's violence in the streets, there's people that hate one another for various reasons, whether it's because of race, whether it's because of politics, regardless of why people are hating each other and why, because the kingdom of darkness loves that and that's what they promote. So my question for you tonight is which kingdom are you listening to? Are you listening to the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light? And by the way, even if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you've been born into his family, I believe that you can still be deceived. So who are you listening to tonight? Follow with me here a second. There's principles and there's laws in the material world and also in the unseen world. In the material world, the world around us, there's these things called laws of nature. Laws of nature, one of the ex uh, examples is gravity, right? What goes up must come down. And some of you are saying, well, you know, jets, they go up. They defy gravity, yes, until they run out of fuel. Then gravity takes over, doesn't it? There are also biblical principles. There's a principle called sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping involves a picture of a farmer, and if he takes out a bag of seed and he's intending to plant corn, he would use corn seeds. If he's intending to plant wheat, he would use wheat seeds. He wouldn't use weeds, wheat seed, to create more weeds, right? But whatever you sow, you reap. That's a principle from Scripture. 
Well, there's a little known scripture uh, lesson or principle that a lot of people don't talk about. It's found at least five times in scripture. And the first one is in Deuteronomy 19.15. And it says this, Every matter must be established by the testimony or the agreement of two or three witnesses. So I want you to picture this for a moment. On the one side, on your left, you've got the kingdom of darkness. You've got Satan, the deceiver, the liar. And he's telling you lies day after day after day. He's speaking these lies. And on the other side, on your right, you've got Jesus, who's telling you the truth from his word. He's speaking to you by the power of his spirit. And he's speaking to you from his word. And you get to be the tiebreaker. Whatever you decide for your life is what becomes the reality for your life. I don't know whether you've ever thought it that way. But sometimes that self-talk, have you ever, we talk to ourselves all day, don't we? You don't always talk to your friends, but you talk to yourself all day long. What is it you say to yourself? I'm a loser. I'm never going to make it. I'm ugly. These are the things I've said to myself. God could never love me. Have you ever said that to yourself? What you're doing in that moment is you're agreeing with the kingdom of darkness. And you're making that a reality in your own personal life. You become the tiebreaker. So my question is, who will you agree with? There's no third choice. According to 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, it says that we are in a war. And the weapons of our warfare are not of this world, but they are powerful for the tearing down of strongholds. And it goes on to say, to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So my encouragement for you tonight is simply this. When those thoughts come into your head from the kingdom of darkness telling you that you're a loser, that God could never love you, that you're never going to make it, that it's time to end this, it's a lie. Take that thought captive. See, you know that thought's coming. It's almost like this big wooden door of your mind, right? And you hear the knock. That is a metal door, by the way. You can hear the knock, and as you look through the peephole, you can look and see that on the other side of that door, there's a thought. And now you can either let that thought into your mind, or you can leave it outside. When you let it in, it's when it starts to do its damage. When you let that thought into your mind, if you don't take it captive to the obedience of Christ or the truth of Christ, and you let it in, it begins to do damage. It, becomes, it begins to bring into your life death and sin and doubt and everything else that's not of Christ. You get to choose. What's going to be a reality for you? Jesus was speaking one day to the Pharisees and he uh, made this statement. He said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's John eight forty four. I want you to put on the screen, if you would, these are some of the things that Satan has perhaps spoken to your heart. Every one of these things, God has not spoken to you, but the enemy has. Every one of these things, Satan has spoken to me personally. I've heard these things either from people, from those around me uh, via social media, from my own mind, and I've heard it from the devil. 
about it's time to give up. Ever heard that one? I have. I battled that one a few times. Every one of those is a lie. So the question is, are you going to believe these? Here's something not in my notes. Um, so I tried to name my children something that meant something biblically, not just a cute name. And it's okay if you pick a cute name. I think they're cool. But my second child was, is named Josiah. And you're like, why would you name him Josiah? Well, the name Josiah in Hebrew means the Lord is our healer. See, we had a second child coming and we lost that one. And then we couldn't get pregnant for two years. And so... His name means a lot to me because the Lord is our healer. He allowed us to have another child. But if you read the story of King Josiah, he was a king that became king at eight years old. And there's a statement about King Josiah that I want you to keep in mind. It says that King Josiah turns neither to the left nor to the right, but he followed the Lord his God all the days of his life. He kept his eyes square on God. He didn't look at what these said. He looked at the truth. What lies has the enemy spoken to you? How will you know that they're lies? So I've shared this story before with um, those who were in the, the summer groups, the study groups, or all in. And uh, I'll share it again in case you didn't hear, but I've got a first cousin who, is, uh, who spent 30 years in the Secret Service. And uh, he guarded presidents from uh, George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, uh, Obama. Uh, he was on the pres presidential detail, very high up in the Secret Service, very well trusted. But he started somewhere. And I asked him one day, I said, so how'd you start in the Secret Service? He said, oh, I started in counterfeiting. I said, counterfeiting? I, I didn't even know that counterfeiting was part of Secret Service job. He goes, oh yeah, he says, that's how we get trained. I said, so you imagine, I, I imagine that you probably took all counterfeit bills and just studied them like crazy, right? And he said, no, we didn't even look at counterfeit bills. I said, that's interesting, what'd you do? He said, we took the real thing. We spent days and weeks studying every single detail of monetary currency from the United States of America. He said, because when we did that, there's no way that there could be a counterfeit past us because we'd seen the real thing and it's all we'd seen. So my question is, will you turn to the left or to the right? Or will you look at the real thing? Will you look at God's word and see what he really thinks about you? Or will you listen to something that's a lie? On the center screen behind me, I've got some things I want to point out to you. There's your truth, people. There's your truth. That's a lie. That's the truth. See, the truth is given to you by the one who is the giver of life. The truth's right in front of you. It's just sometimes you get distracted and you're looking left and right. Hebrews 6.18 says it's impossible for God to lie. And you know, just kind of a little thought too, there's only one person that's ever been willing to die for you, only one. And when he speaks to me, I'm going to listen, 
because he's telling me the truth. He loved me enough to die for me. I'm going to listen to what he has to say. Jeremiah 31.3 says this, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Isaiah 43.1-4, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You are precious to me. You are honored, and I love you. Hebrews 13, 5, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And from Romans 8, I know the plans, sorry, I know the plans I have for you. Sorry, that was the one I just read. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with words that cannot be expressed. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Holy Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance. He chose them. He chose you to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anyone ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity in our lives or if we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell itself can separate you from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that's revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's Romans 8, 26 to 39. So question for you tonight. Have you ever had that thought, God could never love me? So the question is, is who told you that? Was it God? No. It was the deceiver. He's the one that told you that. I have a little quick story I want to share with you. Some of you know I like to go running. Maybe not like it so much as it's just a great getaway. And while I'm running... Um, I guess probably the best part of that is I just get a chance to do some crazy stuff like 
pray out loud. Sometimes you catch me singing. So if you ever see this bald guy running through the woods, singing and talking out loud, it's okay. It's, it's, he's all right. Well, one day, um, I don't know whether you have a low self-opinion of yourself sometimes, but I do. And so as I was running along, I just asked my Heavenly Father right out loud. I said, Father, I, I believe that you love me, but I don't get it. Why? Why? And he took me back in my memory to when my first baby boy was born 33 years ago. You know him by Josh. He's one of the guitarists up here. Um, plays at Rush every year. And even though he's a big hairy dude now, I mean, that, back then he fit in my arms like this. I remember the first time I was in the labor and delivery room and the nurse handed me my son for the very first time. And I held him like this and I looked down and he just stared at me. And I thought to myself, I wonder what he's thinking right now. It felt like he was looking at me saying, so you're my daddy. So you're my daddy. Ooh. And then something very profound hit me. For the very first time in my life, I felt an unconditional love for another human being. I'd love to say it was the day I got married. I loved my wife very much, and I love her more today than I did back 36 years ago. But for the very first time, I knew what unconditional love was. You see, this little boy could do nothing for me he couldn't even love me. He could just be. But I would have given my life for him. There's nothing I wouldn't have done for that little boy. If he needed a heart, I'd have given him mine. That is how your Heavenly Father thinks of you. And I can prove it. Because he gave himself for you. He gave up his life for you. Nobody else would ever do that. Maybe your parents would. But Jesus gave it up for you. So my question got answered. He said, that little boy that you held in your arms that could do nothing for you, that you loved unconditionally. He said, that's how I see you. He said, I love you because you're mine. I love you because you're mine. And tonight I want, to, want you to remember these words. No matter where you go, I want you to remember these words because these words are truth. These words are from God's word. For those of you who are thinking that maybe it had something to do with whether you're a good person or whether you're doing your best or not, I want to shoot that down right now. It's not about what you do. God loves you because of who you are. You're his. At least some of you are. I hope all of you are. Which leads me to my last point. There's a popular saying right now, we're all God's children. And that sounds really good. The only problem is it's not true. 
There are children of God and there's children of, of the devil. And some of you are saying, I know who some of those people are. Well, I hope you love them enough to bring them here. I hope you love them enough to tell them the truth. But there is such a thing as children of God and children of the devil. Not everybody's a child of God. We're all creatures of God. We're all creations of God. We all were made by God, but not all of us belong to Him. See, because sin separated us from Him. Five years old, um, I was adopted. No, not in the traditional way that maybe you're thinking of. Um, my parents gave birth to me, brought me home. When I was an infant, I had a two-year-old sister, a four-year-old sister, and a six-year-old brother. So yeah, I wasn't adopted physically, but I was spiritually adopted when I was five years old. Some of you are saying maybe, uh, how could God bring you into his family at five? You didn't understand anything. You'd be right. The only thing I understood is that Jesus loved me, that I had sin, and he took it away, and that I wanted to go to heaven one day. I didn't know any theology. That's all I knew is that Jesus loves me. One day during Sunday school class, uh, we sang this little song, Into My Heart, Into My Heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today. Come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. When I was five years old, he came in, and he never left me. He didn't leave me during all the times that I questioned why I was here. He didn't leave me during all the valley times. He didn't leave me during the fire. He didn't leave me during the floods. He never let me drown. He never let me be burned. He just was with me. There were times I didn't sense he was close, but I know that he was, because after the fact, I saw his fingerprints all over the trouble that I was in, and he was with me. So I have a question for you tonight. Which of those two, the Prince of Darkness or the King of Light, Jesus, which one will you believe tonight? Have you ever come to a place in your life where you've actually been adopted into God's family? Have you ever been to that place where you said, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me, not just for the whole world, but for me, that you love me so much you did it for me? Have you ever come to that place? Have you ever been adopted? Tonight, a decision needs to be made. You might not know all the theology, that's okay. But if you know that he died on the cross for you, and if you know that God raised him from the dead, that's enough. That's a start. And then from there, we get to grow. God loves you enough to take you as you are, and he loves you too much to leave you that way. Am I right? Those of you that have been there? So I'm going to pray in a minute, and I want to ask if anybody wants to be adopted tonight. I'm going to say a prayer with you. I'd love to meet you down here if you want to meet with me. We can, we can pray together. The second person that I want to talk to you to tonight is maybe somebody that's already done that. You've already been adopted into the family of God. But you've been buying into a whole lot of lies. And you know what your lies are. You've been telling yourself these lies maybe for years. Tonight is time to get it right. It's time to turn the lies away. It's time to start speaking truth to yourself. 
So if there's some lies that you need to just lay down, just set them on the steps here tonight and walk out that door later. You can be free of them. Let's pray together. Father God, we just want to say thank you tonight that you are the one who speaks life, the one who speaks light, the one who loves us unconditionally, the one who gave your only son for us so that we may live. And Father, if there's anybody here tonight, and I sense there is, who just wants to be adopted into your family. They don't know it all. They don't know all the answers. But what they do know is that they want to be part of a family that lasts forever. If that's you tonight, I want you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to take the lies and to turn them away. I accept you as the way, the truth, and the life. I believe that you were crucified for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the dead. And I want you to come into my life tonight. And if that's you, I need you to come on up here and let's have your small group leader come with you and let's pray together and let's talk. And so we can let you know what your next steps are. And for another group of you, I want to invite you to come if you've got something that you want to leave at the steps tonight. If you've been believing some lies that the enemy's been talking to you about, maybe some of the lies that you just aren't worth it, that life's not worth going on with, or that God could never love you because it's somehow based upon what you do instead of who you are. I want to meet you up here, but let's pray first. Father, whatever the lies were of the enemy, I lay them down right now at the foot of the cross. I lay them down before you, and I ask you, Lord God, to speak truth to me. I want to receive your truth, and I want to be done with the lies because I'm sick of feeling like this. Father, thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you for giving of yourself for us. Thank you that no matter how far away from you we feel like we are, we're only one step away. Help us to make that turn tonight, to turn to you, whether it's to receive you as Savior or whether it's to receive the truth and to continue walking in it. We pray all this through Jesus' name. Amen.